Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm going to show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Medical School Headquarters Podcast, session number 148. Hey, this is Z-Dog MD, rapper, physician, legendary turntable health revolutionary, and part-time gardener. And you're listening to the Medical School HQ Podcast, hosted by the irredeemably awesome Ryan Gray. Hello and welcome to the Medical School Headquarters Podcast where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your pre-med success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. We have a very special guest today, Dr. Antonio Webb, who is an orthopedic resident in San Antonio right now. He has an amazing journey that he wrote about in his book, Overcoming the Odds. Stay tuned after the interview with Antonio to find out how you can win a copy of his book. Antonio, welcome to the Medical School Headquarters podcast. How are you today? I'm well. Yeah, thank you for having me. Not a problem. I want to know... What are you doing right now in your career? Where are you at in your training? So right now I'm a uh, orthopedic surgery resident at the um, Health Science Center here in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, my second year currently, um, and uh, my future plans maybe to do uh, joints, joint surgery or um, uh, spine surgery. Okay, so orthopedic residency, just kind of just common knowledge, is, is five year residency, right for. Yeah, five years, and then most people do a uh, additional year of uh, fellowship. Yeah. Okay. And you're interested in spine or joints? Yeah, and, you know uh, that may change the next <laughs> year or two, but um, I think that's where my mind is set so far. Okay. We'll see. You. All right. So now we know kind of where you're at right now. It's been a long journey, or to say it's been a long journey is kind of a an understatement, wouldn't you say that? Yeah, I, I would definitely agree. Uh, <laughs> Why don't you why don't you take us back to your childhood what it was like growing up before uh, or leading up to when you decided to join the military Okay 
yeah, I grew up in uh, Shreveport, Louisiana, um, and very uh, challenging uh, childhood and a place where um, a lot of not necessarily good things come out of it. Um, raised around a lot of drugs, a lot of gangs, a lot of violence. <clears throat> uh, a lot of my uh, family members went to prison when I uh, was growing up, a lot of my friends did. Uh, so just being in, around that type of environment and then getting to the point where I am today, I'm just really blessed. What do you attribute to yourself that that allowed you to to avoid at least for the the majority of of your your life a, a lot of that a lot of those problems to to let you join the military to let you obviously get into medical school and now be an orthopedic resident what what was it about you or or your surroundings that that allowed you to do that yeah, I would say it was, it's a uh, couple of things. I would say one is my father. Uh, he was in the military himself. Uh, he served 20 years in the Air Force. Then my older brother went to the Army and then got out of Shreveport that way. Um, secondly, I would say it's a uh, magnet program that I was uh, luckily accepted into, which uh, got me interested in medicine. And then after that point, as, as I knew I wanted to do that, so I tried to stay out of trouble and really watched who I hung around and, and uh, lost a lot of friends that way. But uh, I'm glad I made that decision. Okay, so you you consciously made that decision to to avoid certain crowds once you had this bug of of medicine. Yeah, absolutely, I, I agree. And I think if it wasn't for that program. I'm not sure, you know, what I'll be doing today. Um, actually, going back uh, probably in November to uh, speak to the entire school um, where that program is located in Shreveport. That's awesome. How can can you remember how you found out about that program? Yeah, a lot of people ask me about that all the time. I, honestly, I don't remember the uh, details. I just remember that I did the program. It was back in early two thousand. Um, I know I did it for two years. Uh, we took a bus from my regular high school and we went to another high school, and it just taught us about medicine and um, public health. Just got us introduced to uh, medicine. Um, there was a, actually one point a couple of years ago where they tried to close the program down. I'm glad they didn't because I, I believe that's you know a good thing for the city of Shreveport and people really need to see there's life outside of Shreveport. Yeah, that's good. So you you got this bug. What what was the decision to join the military instead of trying to go on from high school to college to start your pre med career? Yeah, I think. Um, one of my best friends, we were both in high school together and we did that same Magnum program. Um, he actually came to me one day and said, hey, let's fill out some scholarships and go to college. And uh, for some re- odd reason, I you know, I just was tired of school. I didn't want to go um, straight from high school and go to school again to college right away. So I told him I was joining the military and uh, that's exactly what I did. At age 17, I, I uh, joined and I ended up doing eight years in the military. Um, and then got out and went to medical school. And he did just the opposite. He went to college, medical school, and um, now he's in the military as a physician. So it's really funny how um, you know our two separate paths uh, led to the same goal, which is both to become uh, physicians. Wow, that's good. So, so it's interesting. You said for some odd reason you decided you didn't want to go to school anymore. I don't think that's an odd reason. I think a lot of students are in that situation, especially younger or, or graduating high school students that are kind of done with school and, and aren't really sure what they want to do with their, their life. You kind of knew, though. So that was, that was more of the interesting reason. But you were lucky enough 
to in the military be involved in medicine? What was your job in the military? Yeah, so when I when I signed my contract with the Air Force, I did um, I signed to be a medic, which is a um, <clears throat> like a medical technician, uh, work in the hospital, an ICU, or on the wards. Um, they train us also to be EMTs. Uh, so I thought that'd be a you know great segue to my uh, eventual goal, which is become a physician. Yeah. So you were four N in the Air Force. Yes, four N. Yeah. Awesome for all those Air Force people listening. <laughs> did Did you ever get to do any flight medicine? Uh, I, I didn't. I, I wanted to do the uh, critical care air transport team, the CCAT. CCAT, yeah. Uh, just didn't work out. My whole objective uh, while I was in was actually to go to school. So I uh, went to school at nighttime and the weekend. So um, flying and uh, being on a flight status, I'm pretty sure would have um, pushed my schooling back a little bit further. But um, yeah, I well, w- wish I could have did that. That would have been really fun. Yeah, a- aerospace medicine is is the 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 best. The best job. Yeah, I agree. I'm a little biased as a flight surgeon, but <laughs> yep, I agree. Um, all right, so so you you go through high school, you find this magnet program, which is awesome. You join the military. After the military, you obviously had this goal in mind, and you and you kept that goal in mind. What was it like transitioning from the military and then going back into undergrad? to to finish all your prereqs or were you able to get all that before you graduated or before you left the air force yeah um, as soon as i got to my first duty station i actually uh, signed up for some classes on base they have a couple uh community colleges that come to the base and you know they teach us um so i did that and um you know got started in school uh, it took me i would say my whole uh, entire military career just to uh, complete my degree um after I got out, I had you know one more semester, and um, I graduated, then started applying to medical school after that. Okay, now that's that's interesting because there there are a lot of of active military people that listen to the show, and and those that have recently separated or retired, uh, and I, I think they they find that the military is a hindrance to them completing their prereqs. But for you, it was the opposite. Now. Again, that seemed like another conscious decision to to keep your your mind focused on the end goal and 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 kind of stay away from the crowds that were out doing other things and, and focusing yeah, on your schoolwork. And, yeah, and I wouldn't say that's necessarily the, the norm. Uh, a lot of people do it. Um, I think I just um, went above and beyond. I, I took full time courses every every semester and you know, working forty fifty hours in the military. <clears throat> so I, I really didn't sleep much, um, but I knew I wanted to complete. Uh, my bachelor's and then eventually applied to medical school. So just something I had to do and I had to sacrifice a lot to, um, you know, get through that. Yeah. What was the, the application process like for you? Obviously kind of a, a non-traditional, a non-traditional, not a, kind of a non-traditional, you are a non-traditional student, uh, recently out of the military. How did, how did admissions committees find your application? Did they, were they intrigued by it or did you find a lot of people turned off by it? Yeah, they were definitely intrigued. Uh, I would say my greatest obstacle was my uh, test taking abilities. Um, hasn't haven't always been the you know the greatest uh, test taker, so I, I always struggled with that uh, growing years. So I think um, that kind of um, you know held my application back a little bit. But they were definitely intrigued by my Air Force experience and the fact that I went to Iraq in two thousand five as a combat medic, um, but. You know, it, it did. I did apply to medical school three times before I, you know, I eventually got accepted. So, um, 
it just goes to tell me that it was not really nothing that was going to really stop me from uh, reaching my goal. Um, and I, I would have done anything I, I could to, you know, reach it. If I had applied four or five times, I would have did that. So, no, that's that's good. I I I've interviewed one person that's interviewed that uh, applied probably four times, took the MCAT nine times. Wow. Um, so there, there's a lot of people in your shoes, but the the question is, it, it always comes down to what what continued to motivate you to apply that next year and then the next year. Um, I, you know, I just fell in love with it when I in that magnet program in high school and. It was, a lot of people say is I can't think of anything else that I would rather do than uh, in medicine. Uh, I just love helping people and um, something since that point in high school I just wanted to do. So I would say just seeing people around me in Shreveport who uh, were re- really not doing necessarily the right things when I was growing up. And I wanted to be uh, different. And um, just seeing my best friend, he went through this, the uh, same process and seeing him go through it. Um, so I, he kind of motivated me along the way also. Uh, it's good you had that that kind of friend there to help you through it and and motivate you and uh, almost be a mentor because he had been through it already. Yeah, yeah exactly, and uh, um, mentor even to this day. So good, that's awesome. What were you doing in between these application processes to strengthen your application, and what kind of feedback did you seek out when you weren't accepted to find out how to strengthen your application? Who were you turning to? Yes, that's a, that's a great question. I, I think um, after you know any failures you have in life, um, I always try to analyze it and see where did I mess up and how can I improve myself in the future. So I, I think you can apply that same principle to uh, applying to medical school, to applying to nursing school, law school, PA school. Um, basically, I contacted the schools and and uh, had a, them take a look at my application and say, hey, uh, what can I do to be a more competitive applicant? I think the majority of these schools uh, stated that uh, my MCAT score, that was, you know, the main reason they were kind of hesitant. So that's what I tried to focus on. I took extra preparatory courses. I got some tutoring sessions. Um, I just studied harder. I actually, um, after I got out the military, I quit my my, um, job that I had and focused exclusively on the MCAT. And, uh, you know, it definitely paid off in the long run. (laughs) <laughs> we we often say on here respect the MCAT or hashtag respect the MCAT. So yeah. we we I always I don't necessarily joke. I, I say the MCAT studying for the MCAT's a full time job, and you actually it made yeah. it your full time job. <laughs> yeah, it, it it definitely is. You know, it's um and unfortunately, it's one of those things that kind of weeds out a lot of people. But um, it, MCAT is really one indicator. of of um, how well you will, you know, do in medical school, and a lot of other things that can uh, indicate that as well. But um, I don't think that kind of dictates how well or a, a good doctor you will be just based off your MCAT score. So not at all. The patient some changes come here soon. The patient never asks what you got on your MCAT score. Yeah, <laughs> no, they don't never ask that. <laughs> what? Uh, how many times did you end up taking the MCAT? I took it uh, three times. Yep. Okay. Okay, and so. um, yeah, my, my third time, that's when I, third application cycle, uh, ended up getting accepted. I actually applied to a post-bac program at Georgetown, and uh, I heard about it and thought it would be a you know, great opportunity to strengthen my application. So I did that for a year and, and then was accepted to uh, Georgetown Medical School. Awesome. So that you had that linkage there through the post-bac? Yeah, exactly. And a lot of post-bacs around the country. Uh, I believe it was one at Drexel. 
believe there's one, um, definitely at Georgetown, a couple of other ones. Uh, it's something that you can do in between uh, applying to application cycles and uh, something that will strengthen your application. Yeah, that's awesome. What was the, the biggest challenge for you as a non-traditional student coming out of the military, uh, having been out of school, out of the military for a couple of years now? Uh, you obviously did the post back, but, but what was the biggest obstacle in medical school for you? Um, I can't necessarily think of any obstacles. I, I think my military experience actually helped me um, just because of the discipline. Um, I was very disciplined in my studies in medical school, and a lot of people sought after me because of that, um, just because you have to be very, um, have a regimen down, and um, just like the military, you get up and you have tasks you need to complete that day. And I uh, didn't go to sleep until I completed those tasks. So I thought it was actually advantageous to um, I mean, been in my prior military experience. So I can't really think of any obstacles that I had, but um, along the way. All right. I want to dive into a subject, if you will, um, that is just kind of timely. The Washington Post uh, just came out with an article talking about racism in medical school. And you're a black man. We haven't talked about that, but... Uh, yes, sir. Uh, as as a black man, uh, you check that box on the AMCAS or underrepresented minority. There seems to be a huge, and it's in the news all the time, the huge uh, decrease in in black men and women applying to medical school and becoming physicians. Yeah, how do we fix that? Um, I would say just like more programs, like the magnet program that I went to, I'm pretty sure if it wasn't for that program, I'm not sure where I would be today or we know where my best friend would be. Uh, we were hanging around people who were uh, doing a lot of bad things. So, um, and that program kind of kept us off the streets. So my plan is to, um, open up, a, start a lot of similar programs to that and, you know, underdeveloped cities, um, just getting out and talking to the, the, the kids and students. And that's what I, I go around, travel the U S to, uh, give talks to uh, colleges and high schools, uh, you know, just to let the kids know that uh, I look just like you and try to inspire them to uh, do the same. So, no, that's, that's awesome. One of the, I think, one of the big fears in talking to um, people involved in medical school and, and other students and, and email questions that I get, one of the biggest fears um, for younger, especially minorities, because they, it, it, they seem to come from uh, more disadvantaged backgrounds, is the cost of medical school. How, yeah. how do you tell somebody who's 17, 18, 19, kind of in that pivotal stage of making that decision to be a great pre-med student or just go off and do something else, how do you, how do you tell them that the two or $300,000 worth of debt for medical school is, is okay? Yeah, you know, that's a big, I think, a big problem we have with our uh, education here in the U.S. Uh, you know, a lot of countries offer, you know, free um, college and, and free medical school. I, I wish they did that here in the U.S., but I um, I try to look at it as an investment, um, you know, a long-term investment, something you're investing in yourself. So even though, uh, you know, it's very expensive to go to majority of the medical schools around the country, there are some, like in your state schools, where they you know, give you scholarships and uh, lower tuition amounts, but um, just try to reinforce that it's an investment. And I know it's kind of hard for a 17-year-old to uh, grasp, but um, I think if you look at the long term, it will definitely pay off in the end. 
Would you recommend students? Uh, well, the first question I think before we ask that question is: Were you able to use some of your GI Bill from being in the military for medical school? Yeah, and you know they did take a a, um, a good portion of my tuition, and, and uh, they gave me a stipend each month while I was in medical school. Mm-hmm. Didn't cover the whole amount. Georgetown is very expensive, but uh, it, you know it, it did knock off a good uh, amount of my tuition. Yeah, so the the follow-up question to that would be, would you recommend to students to kind of follow in your footsteps of joining the military first and then having that that financial support afterwards? Yeah, I I think um, I don't have any regrets about the military. You know, it it made me the person who I am today. I definitely grew up really fast, um, a young 17-year-old to, uh, you know, becoming a uh, non-commissioned officer in the military. So I I think... um, I think it re- looks really good on your resume. You do something good for your country. And then um, on the um, payback side, you know, they help you with school. So I would definitely recommend it. Um, I would probably lean towards the reserves or the National Guard um, <clears throat> unless you're okay with um, starting medical school a couple years later. Um, but I think going into the reserves or the Guard and having some educational support is a great idea. The the other option would be the option that I took, and it sounds like maybe your friend took, would be the HPSP scholarship and have the Air Force or military just pay directly for your, your military, uh, for your yeah, medical yeah. school. Yeah, I would probably say that, um, you know, National Guard is probably, probably the best options, I, I would think. Uh, HPSP, I actually thought about that for a little bit, um, decided not to take it last minute, but I, that's actually a, uh, a great option. Okay, awesome. I want to talk about your book, Overcoming the Odds. What what inspired you to write the book? Uh, just, you know, just growing up in uh, Shreveport and, you know, like I said before, seeing uh, everything that I saw growing up. And I just wanted to put something in writing to, um, you know, inspire kids who come from similar backgrounds as myself, who um, are faced with similar challenges. Um, just every, everyone, I get a lot of emails and um, feedback from, you know, older people, 40s, 50s, who are in their career and say my, my book, uh, you know, actually inspired them and to uh, do whatever they wanted to do in life. So um, I, I just wanted to put something in writing so I can uh, tell my story and, and hopefully inspire someone to do j- just the same. That's awesome. What, uh, as, we, as we wrap up, what do you say to the, the young 17, 18-year-olds, maybe just finishing high school, starting off college, that, that uh, maybe is a minority, maybe not, but just struggling on their path and trying to figure it out and, and questioning everything they're doing? Yeah, I would, I would say that, um, you know, whatever you do in life, whether you want to do a lawyer, an engineer, a businessman, a banker, um, you're going to be faced with obstacles. You're going to be faced with failures. Um, I think what matters most is how you how you react to each of those obstacles. And at each point in my life, that's exactly what I did. I tried to analyze um, and what caused me to fall short. Uh, you know, what can I do to better myself in the future? And I think if you have that mentality going forward and you anticipate these failures um, and these obstacles that you're going to be faced with, I think you'll be better equipped to uh, you know face them. I love it. We call that course correct. We talk about course correcting all the time. Figure out, yes. figure out where you at, or where you're at right now, and and how you got there, whether it was good or bad, and figure out where you need to be going and and course correct. So that's absolutely. That's a a great um, a great method to to follow. Where can people find more about you and your book? 
Uh, I have a website. The website is uh, www.antonio, A-N-T-O-N-I-O, uh, web, W-E-B-B, dot com. Uh, the book is on Amazon, uh, dot com. Um, search uh, Overcoming the Odds. Um, I'm on Instagram also. A lot of um, followers are pre-med and uh, want to go into medicine. It's Instagram uh, backslash Overcoming the Odds book. All right. There you have it again. Dr. Antonio Webb, author of Overcoming the Odds and Current Orthopedic Surgery Resident. Thank you, Antonio, for coming on and sharing your wisdom, sharing your story. If you want to win a copy of one of Antonio's books, go to medicalschoolhq.net slash 148 for the episode number 148 and leave us a comment and tell us what odds you have overcome on your journey thus far. Even if you're just a pre-med, if you're a medical student listening to this, if you're a high school student, we've all overcome odds in one way or another. Go leave a comment, let us know what odds you've overcome, and we'll pick a couple winners from there. If you haven't done so, go check out premedlife.com, our partner magazine. They have amazing articles, amazing stories. Go check them out, premedlife.com. All right, we're at that point of the show where I want to take two seconds to thank those that took two seconds to rate and review us in iTunes. I know not all of you use Apple devices, shame on you. I know you don't always have access to iTunes, although you can download it on a Windows computer and rate and review there, but that's a little extra work. But we have a ton of amazing people, including yourself, who have taken the time to rate and review us. If you haven't done so and you want to, go to medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes and you can, you can leave a rating and review there. Maria Jose 213 says, Thank you. This is one of the most amazing resources that I've found on my pre-med journey. Thank you, Maria Jose 213, for that. It's great UF. Yeah, it is. Go Gators. Says, Excellent resource. Every pre-med should listen to this podcast. Period. Thank you for that. Uh, it's great UF 14. And we have uh, Amiko Kobayashi, Kobayashi uh, who was on our Blab a couple weeks ago, if you remember Amiko. And they say, you are awesome. Thank you for providing this resource for students like me. I wish I found you earlier on my path. Thank you, Amiko, for that rating interview. Again, medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes. You can leave us a rating and a review there. I hope you got a ton of great information out of the podcast today. And as always, I hope you join us next time here at the Medical School Headquarters.